Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. I'm Craig Fields. And I'm David Long. And you're listening to week 50 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast, where we've gone out of our way to watch as many films as possible, even the bad ones, so you, the listener, don't have to. (laughs) Yes, that's right, Craig. And Craig, can you believe it's been three years? Yes, that's right, three years since we started making the podcast. I actually can't believe it's been three years. It's unbelievable. Genuinely. And it's... Uh, how have we only done 50 weeks, though, of the main show? Oh, you're, you're putting the work. show down now. I mean, there must be some gaps. Well, three years weeks. would be 156 weeks, if my um, math serves me correctly. So we're doing an episode <laughs> about once every three weeks, I think. Three weeks? Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's our first episode back from, well, after Christmas and New Year. Yeah. How are you? Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't suppose it's Happy Christmas anymore, but it is Happy New Year. Happy New Year <laughs> to you, Mr. Fields. Happy New Year to all of our lovely listeners. Yes, I, I'm well, Mr. Fields. Um, you'll probably know that I celebrated three years sobriety on Christmas Day. Um, that was a, a wonderful achievement. One day at a time, I've managed to do that. Congratulations. And one day t- thank you very much. Um, and thank you to all my friends and family. I had loads of messages on Facebook and lots of lots of likes and retweets on Twitter. Um, I felt Twitter famous, Craig. I had about 300 <laughs> likes on my tweet. Did you? Um, yeah, I did, yeah, which was, which was wow. lovely. Um, and, yeah, one day at a time, I'm, I'm, do- I'm doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, really good. there for you that's really good well done david thank you thank you craig and also uh take this opportunity to say that this wouldn't be possible without craig craig has helped me tremendously over the last four or five years um well we've been friends our whole lives he's a great man and a great encouragement and a great role model thanks <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I never know really what to say to when people say nice things about you yeah, like that. And it, thanks. Yeah, I mean, you, you just kind of put me on the spot. Have a, a sticker, bit. well done. I mean, I can't take any credit, David. It is down to you, to, ultimately. I, 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 I might have just kicked you up the bottom a few times. Um, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. about it. And ultimately, it's your choice to be sober and your choice alone. Yeah, so well it done. is. Um, and, uh, you know, just wanted to say to anyone uh, listening to the podcast that is struggling with addiction of any form, if you do want to reach out, I'm more than happy to to chat with you. So please don't be shy. Good stuff, mister. Um, David, though, what, what are we reviewing on today's show? Um, so the first film we're kicking off with is Soul, and it's currently available on Disney+. Plus. We're going to journey from the streets of New York City to the cosmic realms to discover the answer to life's most important questions. 
is it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> well, from, well, from life's most important questions to will you go to the prom with me? A question teenagers get asked all the time. But Netflix presents the prom with a more important moral view. Throw in some down on their luck Broadway stars and a musical, well, and some musical numbers. And we've got quite the film on our hands to review today. Then Craig's going hand solo with Wonder Woman 1984, with Patty Jenkins returning to the director's seat and Gal Gadot shimmering and kicking bottoms. <laughs> well, from kicking bottoms to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, <laughs> which is, might I say, a central song um, by Ma Rainey, and its arrangement is deeply debated in this adapt in this adapted talk today adapted play for the screen starring viola davis and chadwick boseman with glenn terman coleman domingo and michael potts in supporting roles it's then over to george clooney for the midnight sky where a deeply distressed and extremely physically unwell man chooses to stay seemingly alone on a dying planet looking to the sky for answers <laughs> very dramatic there <laughs> and finally pieces of a woman vanessa kirby is also looking for answers after a heartbreaking home birth and those are the films on week 50 our 50th main show for is it worth it the film review podcast yeah um wow 50 i cannot wait to get to 100 what a what a celebration that's going to be we have done like over 100 shows in other realms of the segments and spin-offs oh yeah i mean we've done cinema at home we've done topical talk um we've done lots of bonus specials road to, the um, road to the oscars we've obviously did what to watch in isolation which is again worth checking out um we did Star our green Wars. day episode um or world hang on not world peace day world environment day something like that it was a bloody good episode i will say earth, that. earth day earth day that's the one um, so we've done loads of content have a flick through our history and if you're if you're struggling during lockdown have a listen to some previous episodes they're all there for your listening pleasure you missed out like one like really important little mini series that we did and that was the mental health awareness one i thought that was that was really helpful to some people do you know what? The Mental Health Awareness Week, um, I I did miss it, but I have to say that's one of my proudest moments on this podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, me, Craig, Herbie and Ian all open up and talk about our mental health, which is so, so important, particularly during these lockdown times. It's so important to look after your mental health. And again, I say this, if you are struggling with your mental health, please do reach out to me and Craig. We are here, dear listener, to support you. Indeed we are, and uh, we're going to move on for the rest of the show. Um, we're going to do a, a feature that we normally do, but it's not going to be the same. It is the Box Office Rundown. This is the Box Office Rundown. Brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. So this week's Box Office Rundown is a little bit different as all the cinemas on the mainland uk and ireland were closed for the first weekend of 2021 and of course it's been an incredibly tough start for this industry because of covid19 um in england all the regions uh, were either in tier three or tier four um, as of the 31st of december 2021 and then obviously moving into a, a national lockdown 
um, which obviously meant cinemas and other leisure facilities were had to close, mm. um, which has been difficult for us as well, because this podcast is based on going to the cinema and seeing all the films <laughs> in the cinema. Um, but thankfully, Netflix, Amazon, Disney, uh, Mubi, uh, all the other streaming services are available to us. And we've gone through all of them, picking out some of the most important films that we thought were you know, ones that we should review, ones that people really wanted to watch and know whether were worth it. Um, but looking at the box office rundown, there is a bit of box office, I suppose. Um, David, did you know that the only cinemas open in the UK and Ireland territory areas were the Mallard Cinema on Guernsey in the Channel Islands and the Broadway and Palace Cinemas in Douglas on the Isle of Man? I did not know. And, and now that we do know that, why aren't we going? Well, uh, <laughs> we're in a lockdown. And the, oh, uh, yes. yeah, they said, uh, please, you almost swore, please stay at home. Um, that is the most important Sorry. thing at the minute. Sorry, uh, I forgot. <laughs> you forgot that you can't swear or the fact that you I can't leave I forgot both. I apologise. This is a family show. I think it may have slipped out. I don't think it did. I think the beginning of um, the words well, maybe slipped your tongue or your yeah. mouth um but no don't worry about it um but yeah no don't go outside have you been slipping up on that as well no no i haven't um what i was implying was it was supposed to be a joke as in because there's two cinemas open why aren't we tra tra traveling to the guernsey islands and traveling to the isle of man which i have been to by the way the isle of man is an incredible during place lockdown. not no <laughs> not during <laughs> lockdown many many years ago oh dear well, oh, I've dug myself a hole there. Yeah, I'm have. expecting Boris to bang the door in any minute. Well, either way, those islands have both been setting their own COVID-19 regulations. And um, those venues that we mentioned above grossed a total of £2,500 over the opening weekend of January. Um which were from recent releases, including Warner Brothers' Wonder Woman 1984, Signature Entertainment's Come Away uh and also, funny enough, 2020's highest grossing title, 1917, because obviously they're getting some reruns, or that's getting a rerun as well. Um, so obviously with these closures in place, that means that the UK and Ireland industry um, or cinema industry have lost quite a significant money compared to January 2020. Um, in fact, um, the... All of the top 15 titles grossed a mass around £22.4 million at a location average of £3,363 on January opening weekend. And yeah. obviously we know why that is. And um, we are hoping now that the vaccinations are being rolled out that we can um, things can slowly start getting back to normal. But we are nowhere near out of the woods at the minute, are we really? And we hope... This show will brighten your day and will enable you to be excited <laughs> for movies. And hopefully when um, things go do go back to normal, you will get back into the cinema um, because we are we are so wanting to get back in the cinema. I know I am. I know you are, David, too. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we we did make it. I did make a bit of a joke, but we are in a lockdown in the UK. So please do stay at home unless it is totally essential to leave your house. Um, and 
Isn't it going to be glorious, that wonderful day when the vaccines have been rolled out, when COVID is seemingly under control, when we can see our families, see our loved ones, get out, start supporting the cinema industry, start supporting local cinema. Mm. I'm really looking forward to it. But for now, we've got to stay at home and we've got to save lives. You can support your local cinema chain um, or cinema um, independent. Um, you know, the, the independents you can buy gift vouchers to and, and the chains as well. But um, I think it's important to support the um, independent cinemas um, in St Albans and other places as well within the UK. St Albans is my local one. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm buying... Um, give vouchers so that I can redeem them in, in the cinema when they do reopen so that I can go yeah. still and see the films on the big screen. And I, I'm te- look, there's plenty of films on this week's episode that I think would be amazing to watch in the cinema. Um, and I'm sad that I haven't been able to do that. Yeah. And, you know, the quality of these films today is huge and I can't wait yeah. to delve in and actually review all of these films. Likewise. <laughs> oh, does that mean we're going to segue into that then? I, I think that's a good time to move on. Okay, well, let's get on with our first review, and it's Soul. So, as Craig said, our first review is Soul. Soul sees the return of Disney's Pixar. The story follows a substitute school teacher, Joe Gardner, who after gaining his big breakthrough as a jazz pianist, accidentally and rather tragically ends up with his soul separated from his body. He's on a mission to reunite both his soul to his body before it's too late and he misses the biggest night of his life. Pete Doctor is in the directing seat and it stars the voices of Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, Rachel House, Alice Braga and Richard Ioadi. Let's take a little listen to a scene from Soul. Dr Borgensen will be matched with Soul number 22. Oh, we're going to get into this now. Excuse me. 22, you come out of this dimension right now. How many times have I to tell you? I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this person. I don't want to. Go to Earth and have a life. 22 has been at the U Seminar for quite some time and has had such notable mentors as Gandhi, Abraham Lincoln and Mother Teresa. <laughs> I made her cry. Ignore that. Put me down. We're truly glad to have you here, Dr. Borgensen. <laughs> it is an honour having you prepare 22 for Earth. I'm going to make you wish you never died. Most people wish that, 22. (laughs) Off you go. Bye. So that was uh, a clip from Soul. And uh, right off the bat, um, I will say that this film brightened my day on Christmas Day 2020. Um, it was a much needed relief from most of the drama that was going on around us and uh, across the world. It was Christmas Day was quite not a lonely day. It was actually quite nice. Um, obviously, myself and Charis are in a lockdown together here in, yep. uh, in St. Albans. And that was lovely. Um, and we actually watched the film side by side with Charis's family on Disney Plus. Now, Disney Plus has this great watch feature where you can watch films together now. I don't know if oh, you guys really? have seen that. Yeah, it's essentially you can invite people to who also have Disney Plus to watch the film simultaneously with you. You can both pause it, you can both um, rewind the film and it will do it to the other person's uh, film so that you're in sync watching it almost 
completely in sync with each other, which is, I think, a really lovely feature to have um, during uh, this time. Now, I say that Disney is obviously not in my good books about releasing these movies on Disney Plus when the cinemas were seemingly reopened. But I think I might have to eat my... um, my words? Oh, yeah, my words. It's going to eat something, folks. I'm going to eat something. I need to. Um, <laughs> because I think they may have got this one slightly right by releasing it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, they couldn't have anticipated the fact that we would all be in still a severe um, lockdown, that cinemas wouldn't be open. I mean, could they? I mean, I don't think they really could. But. It was the right choice and releasing it on Christmas Day for free on Disney Plus or not having to pay extra for it was was a great was a great touch. And I think it brought a lot of joy to a lot of people mm. on Christmas Day. Um, David, would you like to come in first with your views on the film or would you like me to carry on? Uh, I'm enjoying listening to you, Craig. So if, I'd love to hear your views first um, and then I'll, and I'll delve into mine. OK, well. I found the animation on this movie particularly intriguing and stunning and beautiful and really quite mesmerizing. It's so lifelike on the yeah. um on the earth scenes, I suppose you could call it. Um that's not what they call it in the film. I can't quite remember what exactly what they call it. Is it the the the, the after? I think it's the after that they call yeah, it. Yeah, the after, yeah. And I thought that was so realistic. It was unbelievable. Right, mm. just how amazing that CGI was. And I loved the different animation styles that you actually see within this film, the primitive nature of the outline drawings of of the um, almost guardians. I'm not quite sure what they were. I can't remember what exactly they were, but they were really intriguingly drawn. Mm. And then you've got this really great, um, I don't know, this translucent soul that they've got in in form of animation that I thought was really cleverly done and really represented something that actually anybody could visually understand as being that other sort of ghostly soul sort of state. And the subject matter of this film is obviously quite a difficult one as it talks a lot about death. And this is a subject matter that is really huge at the minute because it's it's unfortunately something that's taking place in the world more rapidly and mm. more uh, well on a massive scale because of covid-19 and there's children across the world right now who are losing loved ones but probably don't really understand and parents are probably going to want to broach this subject with children and soul kind of allows them this entry into answering questions about death in a way that can be explained in a visual manner and and one that is i don't know it just sort of transcends words in in a visual kind of storytelling and i just found it beautiful mesmerizing and and quite wonderful really and also really brilliant to finally see an African-American portrayed in an animation film as the leading role as well. Mm. I thought that was great. Um, I want to hand the baton over to you now because I think I've said my piece in in terms of getting out what I really wanted to say. Yeah, no, really enjoyed listening to that, Craig. Um, I didn't actually watch this on Christmas Day, um, but my brother um, messaged the family and said, guys, you really need to watch this. So I sat down with my mum and my dad who are in my support bubble uh, and we watched this and 
each one of us really, really enjoyed this film. Like, the first thing I'll say about it is that it's really, really well paced. You would expect nothing less from Disney Pixar. It, it straight away throws you into the action. Um, and it, like Craig said, it's, it's set in New York City, so it's busy, it's vibrant, there's lots going on. The pace is really, really quick. They've got this fantastical music, musical numbers in there as well. Um, and we, we, as a family, we we really, really enjoyed this film. The first thing I'll say about it, and I don't want to sort of just regurgitate what Craig has said, but the animation is is flawless. The, this film is just gorgeous to look at. Um, and it's also got a, a lovely soundtrack, um, this soundtrack that plays over the back. And like I said, it's got these um, these jazz numbers as well. But I think what this film has um, that really makes it stand out from not from every other Disney Pixar film, because all of Disney Pixar's work tends to have meaning and they can tend to be um, emotive and engaging. But this has plenty of dressing on the salad, Craig. <laughs> there's there's I'm not going to say meat on the bone because it's 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 dressing on the salad to me mm -hmm. and it's a damn good dressing. Um, it it opens up such a conversation like this is why I think Disney um, got this right to release this unlike Mulan as part of your subscription on Christmas Day, because I can imagine families all around the world gathering round watching this film and then having a discussion and it's about the individual and finding your happiness in the smallest of things and we're living in unprecedented times in dark times in dangerous times and many many thousands of people in the uk it's just gone over eighty thousand, have lost their lives and this film highlights that life is there to be cherished and it's not necessarily about, and in some ways, this film is about our protagonist's big breakthrough. Um, it is about that. But actually, what this film does is draw you back from his big breakthrough as a musician. And he comes to appreciate the smaller things in life, the little things, the tiniest things. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really, really powerful film. I was a fan of it throughout. Um, but I'll admit the ending, and we do complete, or we try to do completely non-spoiler reviews on this show. Oh, the ending. I mean, Craig will tell you, and regular listeners will know, I'm not the most emotional person when it comes to film. Um, <laughs> the last film I choked up with, choked up with was um, the film with Jamie Foxx, actually, on Death Row, um, which I can't quite remember the name of now off the top of my head um, it will probably come to me later but another Jamie Foxx film has got me nearly crying like I was choked up at the end of this film the end of this film is gorgeous and wonderful and yeah I was really really impressed with this film yeah like, nail me head David with your with what you're saying there I mean it is exactly an incredibly inspiring film in terms of wanting to remember or remind people that it is the little things in life that can be so emotive and so make you want to or remind you that life is worth living and it's not always about your aspirations and goals that you need to sort of reach for. It's about helping other people and, you know, encouraging, you know, people to be better people at the end of the day. And 
yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot more to live for, essentially, is what I'm saying, I suppose. There's just so much to live for in life. Um, interestingly, obviously, this was directed by Pete Doctor, um, who also directed Inside Out, which there have been a lot of um, people drawing comparisons to to um pete doctor's inside out as well um and i think those are worthy things to do because it tackles subject matters and i think most films do this i mean all films actually have something to say and this film is no different it it it's it you know inside out is talking about emotions with children um and different um conflicts that might be in the mind i suppose in terms of you know sadness and disgust and anger and fear and joy and all these different things that you know children can get confused by and you know death is another one so a lot of people were saying that this might have been not quite so good and i know you've got a correspondence i don't know if you have it up on your screen ready to read out or not um but you do have one from um a long-term listener pete don't you I do, yeah. I didn't have it up, but I do have it up now. Um, So, here is Pete's uh, review of Soul. He says, It was a nice film with an interesting concept and thought-provoking the end. Almost, what is the meaning of life scenario? However, I felt it lacked somewhat in comparison to Inside Out, which again was an interesting concept, but had characters I could engage with more. Uh, I did... Joy, uh, certain voices, including a good number of Brits. But I was left underwhelmed and did not have the same emotional highs and lows like in, say, Toy Story 3 Up or Inside Out. Um, Ultimately, I would say it is worth watching, but have less expectations uh, than you may have for other Pixar films. Hope this makes sense. Look forward to the episode. Pete. Yeah, so I think there's been quite a few people who have been um, on the same um, wavelength as Pete. Um, But then I think there is a lot more to delve into with this film um, than than others. And I think it can be a tricky subject to talk to. Um, And this is why I said at the beginning of this review that it's one of those subject matters that it's difficult to to explain to children. And it's one that I think um, this film enables a pathway in with that. So we do have a correspondence from from your brother, Andy Long. Um, He says, I thought Soul was a beautifully made film, stunning visuals, wonderful soundtrack, and a really brilliant subject matter. Um, I believe this is a perfect film to watch with the family during lockdown, giving the audience plenty to think about. Soul really does make you ponder what really matters, especially during these unpredictable and difficult times when everybody, everyday life, sorry, seems depleted for a family film this is certainly one of pixar's more adult orientated the concept itself was rather complex and could easily go over a child's head but this is easily made up for the wonderful imagery and characters which would certainly engage a child's attention i believe the film has the emotional hookup of up the emotional hookup sorry the emotional hook of up uh, with a highly (laughs) inventive concept of inside out pixar is still my favorite animation company and i hope they produce more original films as opposed to cash grab sequels i you know what there's one part there that i think i might disagree with and i think that's the fact that children it might go over their heads i think the visual nature of this movie really is quite one of those ones where it's universal almost it's so universal to understand 
that the that there's you know the great beyond and you know the the bit before and the after or the now or whatever whatever, whatever it was yeah the after wasn't it you know there's yeah so there were all those things that you know are visually represented in such a way that i think children actually with their you know their, the, the way that their brains are at that young age can sort of get it in a way they it might leave them with more questions but that is the point of this film i think i think it it leaves children wanting to know more about a subject that can be really difficult. And that is simply what it's about. Um, have you got up your other correspondence that you might have had on Facebook, David, or not? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I didn't know I was supposed oh, to have them no. out. Well, all right. Well, we've got some other people who say things about soul. So Richard Lindsay says soul really good. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> cheers, cheers, Richard. <laughs> um, and we also had Rosie Tipler, who says Soul was a really good film and very funny. A good film for the kids, worth a watch. Um, anybody else? I'm just getting it up. You keep going, my friend. Um, oh, Georgia Picton says Soul initially made me feel really uncomfortable the way it was all jolly and then suddenly about death. But I have a weird fear of... Uh, about death but i have a weird fear of the nothing my opinion no not religious um after death i really didn't read that very well i apologize i guess children who for the most are the audience would not watch with that understanding or fear of death that that as adults may do i honestly was going to switch off but thought i can't be it can't be that bad throughout then i cried then I then at the end I cried, Georgia. I have to apologise for the way I read that out. I think it was appalling, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Craig's been I, on the source, folks. No, I haven't actually. I've not touched it since. Well, I'm doing dry Jan. Dry, oh, see, I just cannot. He's doing dry oh, January. That's what apparently. I'm doing, that's you, what I'm you, doing. you can make your own conclusions. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, I think that's all the correspondence that we actually have on Soul and. Yeah, really great. Thank you for for writing and everybody and telling us what your thoughts of Soul. And um, I don't know, do you have anything else to add about the film that um, you thought might be educational for the people or that you would just like to round off with? Um, I suppose it would just be the um, the performances. I think um, Jamie Foxx as our protagonist, uh, Joe, I think he's he's great. Uh, Tina Fey is twenty two. Um, I think she's really good, and just her character is so vibrant and also so troubled. And that's why I said there's lots of dressing on the salad because this is a really complex movie. And I've got to agree with my brother Andrew. Actually, I think this is a predominantly an adult show. Mostly adults will be listening to this. If you're thinking, oh, I don't fancy Disney's soul, give it a go because trust me, you will get lots and lots out of it. I thought it was also nice to see some Brits in there. Richard Ayoade mm. uh, as Councillor Jerry. I thought he was very, very funny. But I, I think one of the show-stopping performances, Craig, actually came from Graham Norton. Um, I thought his character just brought a real energy and a real dynamism and I, I just you know this film was I'm not going to say flawless um, but this was a really really good film um, and I do just want to sneak in the Rotten Tomato scores 96% 96% from 276 <laughs> critics um, which I think just shows that this film is getting really good critical response, an 88% score from the audience. Um, and yeah, uh, for me, Soul was just a really nice piece of filmmaking. 
Okay, well, I think you rounded that off lovely there, David. And therefore, I shall ask you the question. Soul, is it worth it? Yes, get the whole family together and watch Soul. It's well paced. It's got an engaging main main character, flawless animation, lovely soundtrack, plenty of dressing on the salad or meat on the bone, whichever one you prefer. Um, and just want to say it's bound to be nominated for a Best Animated Feature. It's a slam dunk nomination at the Oscars. Um, there's no betting on that at the moment, but I would imagine it would be favourite. And this has got a serious chance, Craig, of being an animated feature that gets nominated for a Best Picture. That that's how good it is. You must, must, must watch Soul. <laughs> well, that is intriguing enough, I think. Um, are you going to ask me the question? Well, I, I, I am, yes. Uh, Craig, Soul, is it worth it? Yes, Soul is definitely worth the watch. Is that, is that, is that all you're going to say? Yes, yes, it is, because I think I said everything in the review that I needed to say. Perfect. So, folks, that was our review of Disney Pixar's Soul. So, our next movie review on Week 50 is The Prom. Director Ryan Murphy brings us an all-American musical comedy for Netflix, and it's adapted from Matthew Schuyler's 2018 Broadway musical of the same name. It sees down-on-their-luck Broadway stars Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman, and Andrew Rannells head to a small town in Indiana when a young woman is disallowed to take her girlfriend to the prom. The stars travel there in a bid to raise awareness and boost their own profiles. I think it's definitely worth listening to a clip. Oh my God, that's DDL. I want to tell the people love whatever this town's called. I know what's going on here and frankly, I'm appalled. I read three quarters of a new story and knew I had to come. And unless I am doing the miracle work, I won't play blind So that was a clip from The Prom. Ladies and gentlemen, strap yourselves in because this is a film that I have some really quite strong opinions about. Um, the I'm first thing I'll, where's this going to go? The, the <laughs> first thing I'll say is I knew very, very little about the film The Prom. Uh, I don't know much about the Broadway musical. Um, I didn't watch a trailer for this. I decided to come in blind. Um, blind. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh my goodness, wow, what can I say? I have incredibly strong opinions about this film. And I think my listeners, uh, Craig, you're going to be very, very shocked. <laughs> you just said my name really weird. Did I? You went Quag. So I'm so sorry, <laughs> right. um, Craig. Um 
I did have problems with this film um, and slowly but surely it started to grate on me over time. But I absolutely loved it. What? That was not what I was expecting to hear at all. Uh, no, I seriously, I really, really enjoyed it. I don't know whether we've watched quite a lot of heavy films um, for this week's episode. We'll get on to those later in the show. But this was just like, I loved the opening. The opening made me laugh. Like the opening was just wow and brash and in your face. And here we go. Strap yourself in. You're in for a really vibrant and over the top musical journey. And... I totally, totally embraced it, and I'm going to um, confront the elephant in the room, which is James Corden. Regular listeners will know. Um, I am not not necessarily not a fan of James Corden. I don't know the man personally, and he's travelled from Britain to America and done incredibly well for himself, so I'm sure he probably doesn't care what I think. But I wasn't a fan of him in Peter Rabbit. I thought he was horribly miscast. Um, I thought he was ghastly in Cats, which was overall a complete disaster. The first thing I'll say is that when this film started, I was very, very aware that I was watching James Corden act. But, and here's the big butt, Craig, within about five minutes of that, I totally embraced his character. And I thought this was a fantastic performance from James Corden. I genuinely mean that. I thought he was sassy and fun and vibrant and um, his character was very narcissistical and complex. I thought there was lots of layers to his character. Uh, I, short, I thought I short. <laughs> I, I thought I'm Sean Connery. No, I thought he showed uh, great emotion at times. Um, and, and, and yeah, I just really, really got on board with this film. The music is very, very catchy. Um, the set pieces are really, really nice to look at. Meryl Streep's character, and there's, there's believe it or not, I mean, there, there is always, but there is Oscar talk for Meryl Streep's performance in this film. Um, wouldn't surprise me if um, come uh, award season she's nominated, particularly at something like the Golden Globes. Um I love that scene, and it's not really a spoiler, where she's in the hotel and she's she's this big Broadway star and she, she says to the person, I'll, I'll have the sweet, please. And they're in this very small hotel and the person says, we don't have any sweets. And bang, she pulls out one of her Tony Awards from her bag. Do you have a sweet now? <laughs> but the person's like, we, we, we don't have any sweets. And then she pulls out her second Tony. And that really sums up her character. I thought that was really funny. Um the the film is incredibly well paced like it rattles through um and it's got some great songs as well i do have a problem with this film and i will get on to that and like i said as the film went on i progressively liked it less i much preferred the first half to the second i'd love to know your thoughts craig well let's rein it back a little bit let's take it back into um what this film is ultimately about and it's about a young girl who is gay and she is being told that she cannot be gay essentially or she yeah. cannot bring a girl um who you know is someone that she might love or even might not even love but does to have the same sex um or same gender person um go to the prom with that with with her is 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 frowned upon in this in this town and it's done so in a very 
over the top kind of way, but a, a way that I think um really uh you know sends a message um to to the audience and those that might be on a similar page to those that are frowning upon um Emma who is our lead actress within this film in terms of the person that is uh, a central figure within the film i think um that alt- that that is a good premise of the film this 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 beginning bit and i think this could work as they say from a musical point of view this could have been really great as a premise for the film, you know, with lots of great musical numbers um, coming through. But then take it, you know, now take it into the realms of the cinema and adapt it for the screen in that sense with Ryan Murphy on board as the director who obviously, you might be aware of this, David, is the, is a Glee, is the director for, of, of Glee, the long-time TV series that yeah. is basically a musical. Um yeah. It's very glee, yeah, very glee indeed, and it tackles important subjects like glee did in a comedic musical way. And this, for me, I think was the opposite. I I was very disappointed with the beginning half of the film, and um, I I just kind of felt like it embellished certain scenarios and went over the top with them to to drum home a message and yes it's a very important message and one that i think is a clear message to um the audience that we do not tolerate homophobic behavior anymore in society we will not tolerate it anymore and it's it's however contrasted with the casting of of james corden for instance now this is a major role in this movie and in this day and age, the argument as it stands at the minute is why would you not cast a, a homosexual in this role that is of a homosexual? Why wouldn't you cast that, that a person in that role? Um, do we believe that James Corden is convincing in this role? Well, yes, he is. He is convincing in this role to a, to, to a point. The fact that this is a very well-known, well-established actor in this role actually stops you believing that he is this person, that he is, uh, is it is Barry Glickman, isn't it? Barry Glickman, That's yeah. it. So, you know, because of that casting choice, it, it dissolves the believability. And that's where I have to, this is where the film starts to bring, it's, it sort of goes down in my estimations. And... It's it's enjoyable to a point, and I thought something like the standout song was "Love Love Thy Neighbor." Um, Love thy neighbor. Yeah, that's the one. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was hilarious. It did make me laugh. I, it made a very good point, but it was in typical Glee style. I, I, mm. the, the differences in Glee in, from Glee, I have to say, is some of the camera shots and stuff that there were in Glee. If I rightly remember, there was lots of these whips and pans, and um, you know, very over-the-top camera moves. With this yeah. one, you actually see a lot more of the performances, and yeah. I do think some of the performances were great. Mel Street was really good. Um, Nicole Kidman, uh, some of the singing performances could be considered not so great, but 
Um, I think there was a, uh, some Moulin Rouge in there from Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I liked some of this more dramatic st- or sentiments from Nicole Kidman's character, Angie Dickinson, was it? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I thought they she was very good there. Um, I, I think Emma who I can't remember who she's played by. She's played by Joe Ellen Pellman. Thank you very much. I think she is very standout here. Um, You know, it's ultimately a story of being isolated in the place that um, doesn't want to be open to an idea. But then Mm. as the film progresses, people start to show her that there is more. There are more people that are similar to her and they have been hiding in the shadows. And, you know, by reaching out a hand, there is light at the end of the tunnel in a way, you know, we can all step out of this darkness together almost. And it's a beautiful sentiment. And uh, it doesn't stop me from disliking the film though, unfortunately. I'm, I'm surprised. Like, we we didn't talk much pre-production, well, we didn't talk any pre-production about our thoughts on this film. I thought you'd be a little bit more hot on this. I, I don't know, I just really, really enjoyed it. What I would say, and I don't want to come across controversial here, because I want to make it very, very clear that I am 100% like dancing and clapping and singing along with this, and behind the values that this film is putting forward, there is no room for homophobia, there is no room for bigotry. But I think one of the downfalls of the film is that they make this premise very, very clear. But then I think they start to overemphasize it and it lose it and it just becomes a little bit heavy and a little bit repetitive. Um, and I'm going to become a bit repetitive as well, because I think Love, Simon, a film that I absolutely adored, had exactly the same message as this, but it did it in a more subtle, a slightly more... Um, less in your face way and i think the the payoff with that was a little bit more satisfactory for me you know what david i I know what you're trying to say here and i think actually what you're trying to say is that it actually normalizes homosexuality which is what it should be this this is actually setting um you know it's exaggerating examples almost yeah and Love Simon doesn't exaggerate the examples. You know, Simon was a normal, what we would consider a normal person. Yeah. Just the fact that he was gay, you know, actually wasn't a difference. He, yeah. It was it was a normal for him, and it was a normal for others that watched that might be in a similar position to him. Whereas, I think because of this being a musical, it over exaggerates and over eggs some of the more, you know, the moral compass of this film. I think maybe. Um, you know, Emma, Emma's character is a really good character in the film. And I think yeah. she has a standout moment where it's just her and a guitar and she's mm. reaching out to other people. And I think that I think it, the song's called Just Breathe, if I rightfully remember. And Yes, it is. Yeah. I thought that was really beautiful. And I think it was a really good song. But there are some other songs in it that are just to- totally appalling. I think I just they just didn't catch me in the right kind of mood or maybe the, did, or the did, right frame of mind because they just didn't make me feel like I wanted to get up on the bed and jump up and down and dance and clap. Whereas <laughs> I think maybe for you, it did want make you want to do that perhaps. Yeah. 
Um, I loved Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Um, when she sang "Give It Some Zazz," which, give um, some zazz. if you can imagine, and all that jazz, it was like that. But give it some zazz. I mean, it's very Moulin Rouge, wasn't it? it? And it was. There was lighting, and it was. <laughs> there was lighting. <laughs> <laughs> there was lighting. I mean, there was some light, which was good, so we could actually see the film. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? There was very dramatic lighting, and there was dance moves and exotic camera angles. Um, I expected to hate this film, but I really, really enjoyed it. Like I said, it was just entertaining. Um, the performances were great. Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman, um, Joellen Pellman. I thought she was brilliant as well. Um, and yeah, I think Craig has hit the nail on the head. Exactly what I wanted to say. He 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 put it in a much better way in regards to Love Simon. What we don't want to do is we don't want to we don't want to create a society that goes, oh look, there's the gay people and they're different. Mm. We want a society where everyone's included, and that's why Love Simon was so good because mm. Simon was a teenager and he had all these different problems, and he just happened to be gay. And do you know what? That's absolutely fine. Um, so this film isn't very subtle, but for me it was very, very enjoyable. Um, I think, I know this was always coming out on Netflix, but I think this would have done Greatest Showman kind of numbers if it was in the cinema. I think people would really have got behind this in the cinema. I think there'd have been sing-alongs, and I'd have gone and I'd have sung along. I loved it. I'm not so sure, um, in my opinion, but David, I'm going to ask you the question. Because I think okay. we're ready for that. Is, are we, do you think? Do you think we are? I, I, I think we're ready for the question. Cool. Give me some questions. Give me some questions. Uh, the prom is it worth it? Yes, uh, for me, the prom is worth it. It's well paced. Um, it's got zazz. It's sassy. Um, James Corden's in it, and he gives a good performance. Um, Meryl Streep's great. All the other actors um, that are listed are great. The music was by David Klotz and Matthew Sklar. Um, I really enjoyed the music. The prom, it's on Netflix now. I would 100% say it is worth it. Craig, for you, the prom, is it worth it? Um, I'm torn actually because you're a troubled man Craig you are shining an absolute beacon upon this film you are giving it a very glowing review and mm. I I'm somewhat on the complete other, other spectrum almost um I don't think it is worth it um however I do think that the it has great sentiment and I think I, I strongly believe the central message within this film is 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 completely right, completely just, and completely um, maybe perhaps worth a watch for it. But I yeah. do feel like the things that surround the film, perhaps James Corden, some of the songs, um, and the over-exaggeratedness of some of the aspects of this film can make it somewhat laborious to watch, actually, I think. And I perhaps it caught me in a mood where I didn't want to watch it. Perhaps it caught me in a place that I'm watching it in you know, didn't quite work for me. You know, I find that I have most more attention when I'm at the cinema. Yeah. I was engaged. Like I wasn't not watching the film. I constantly watch the film. I have my phone pretty much off. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's just one of those films where I, I really, really are on, I really am on the other side of the spectrum uh, against you here, David. And yeah. yeah, I don't think it was worth it at all. Well, it's good to have different opinions, but mine is right. It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was our review of The Prom.
So it's now time for our third review on week 50 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And we will be reviewing, well, Craig will be reviewing Wonder Woman 1984. On the back of the trailblazing first Wonder Woman movie starring Gal Gadot comes Wonder Woman 1984. Director Patty Jenkins returns to the director's seat and with it brings Retro's 80s nostalgia and a golden-winged Wonder Woman suit. Craig will be going Han Solo, but before he does, let's take a little listen to a clip. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. Barbara. What did you do? My life hasn't been what you probably think it has. We all have our struggles. Have you ever been in love? A long, long time ago. You? So many times. Yeah, all the time. Welcome to the future. Life is good, but it can be better. And why shouldn't it be? All you need is to want it. Think about finally having everything you always wanted. I can save today. But you can save the world. So that was a clip from Wonder Woman 1984. Um, let's just start at the very beginning, shall we? Uh, the original Wonder Woman film came out um, and it was a real roaring success for DC on the back of a number of movies within the DCEU that were very unsuccessful in terms of story and integration to the wider DCEU universe. Um for those of you that are not sure what DCEU stands for, it's D- it's uh, DC Extended Universe. <clears throat> Nearly got it wrong myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gal Gadot was fantastic in that first film. She was a really, really um, fantastic Wonder Woman. She embodies Wonder Woman through and through. And Patty Jenkins um, had come up with a fantastic way to introduce her to to the, to the DC Universe here um, for for those films. Um, she's back again directing this movie, as David said in the um, synopsis there. And it is set, obviously, in 1984, as uh, the title may suggest. Now, I found this film to be <laughs> a, f- a few problems with this film. But I'm going to start with its positives, because I like starting with positives. Um, Gal Gadot is equally as intriguing and as wonderful in this movie as she was in the previous movie. Um, I... <laughs> Um, and maybe that's where I it ends. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> I really, really enjoyed the 80s retroness of this film. It really comes um, to show um, throughout the film, um, you know, the, the 80s bum bags and, you know, the, the way that the people were dressed, um, the architecture, all of that sort of stuff is really um, 80s and, and you really get that 80s feeling. And, and one that um, obviously I didn't grow up in, but one that I kind of know because being a 90s child, you kind of have some... Mm. some of the 80s sort of spill over to the 90s, don't you? 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. I can see saying. David on Zoom and all he's doing here is just running his fingers through his beard, listening which, intently. Which, by the way, is a two and a half month beard now. It's, 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 it's getting long. It's getting really long. Yeah, I love it. Do you it. not think it's time to get rid of it? About March it's coming off. Oh, okay, good. Back to the review. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the review, though. Um, but we do introduce ourselves to some new characters within this film. And um, we have uh, Barbara Minerva, who is played by Kristen Wiig. And um, this is a, a, a very flawed character and one that we know is a flawed character. But it's the way that she becomes flawed um, that really bothers me. And it's this this plot device that I feel like completely ruins this film in, in, in some manner. And it's this, it's this special, I don't know, this special, um, ancient, um, piece of, I don't know what you call it. Um, you know, when you dig something up, David, help me out here. Uh, An old um, rock. No, you know, when, when um, archaeological piece of, yes, there we go. Archaeologists dig up pieces of, of wonderful old things. And this thing has, is imbued (laughs) with power, um, that grants people their wishes. But unfortunately, like most things, there are bad things that can happen when you have your wishes granted. Mm. Um, and, um, Kristen Wiig, who is uh, an archaeologist in some form, and, um, she's supposed to be an expert on this thing's, thinks it's not really a real one and um, ends up sort of wanting to be like her new friend, Diana Prince, uh, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, because she envies or perhaps looks up to Diana uh, wanting to be this tall, beautiful, um, strong, independent woman who knows who she is, whereas Kristen Wiig's character really doesn't know who she is almost, you know, but really what we see on the outside is this wonderful character who might be you know, completely, uh, you know, troublesome in some manner, but actually really wonderful in others. And um, she becomes the baddie in this film, unfortunately, mm. because of the way that she wants to be Gal Gadot, I guess, uh, or Gal Gadot, shall we say. Diana Princess, or Diana Prince, shall I say. Um, she is, yeah, she's one side of the coin. Then you've got another character, Maxwell Lord, who's played by good old Pedro Pascal, who um, most people may have seen him in more recently in the... um, (laughs) Why have I forgotten it? (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, mate. I'm enjoying it. I'm glad you're enjoying it, but my brain is just like mush tonight. Um, It's The Mandalorian. Sorry, guys. I should have known that. The Mandalorian's fantastic. Pedro Pascal is in there. His face is revealed a number of times. Um, And he is also a bad guy in this movie and he basically um he basically i'm not gonna i think if i reveal this next bit it might be a plot spoiler but he is another baddie that wants these wishes essentially and did you ever see the first wonder woman david i'm really struggling to remember i think I saw it, but okay. I'm not 100% sure. You would know if you had seen it. Um, Chris Pines in this film again, um, he actually is, is, is comes to a, a bit of an end in the first film um, and is revived through this strange plot device, as we've been talking about, um, but in such a, a way that I, I didn't quite like. He's sort of reincarnated into somebody else's body, but only... 
um, only Wonder Woman, Diana Prince, can see him because true love shines through. Um, and yeah, I didn't like that. It was very ghost, very like ghost, isn't it? Um, yeah, I just <sighs> this plot device just felt very weak to me, and I, I didn't feel like there was this this real standoff fight that sort of that that had a real bad enemy that for Diana Prince to come up against for Wonder Woman to come up against and whilst there are some fantastic action scenes within this film there are some not so great action scenes in this film as well there there's one great scene however where they're on a, a freeway in Egypt um and you know it's in the trailer she ends up flying through the air after a truck is like lifted up into the air as well or big lorry mm. um but following that, how did she get there? There's so many plot holes. Well, guess what? They stole the aeroplane, the jet plane, that Chris Pine's character somehow is supposed to know how to fly, even though he's from, well, 1940, 1940s. He knows how to fly a jet plane. Um, yeah, I've seen that in the trailer, yeah. Yeah, it's just a bit weird. Um, you know, they steal a plane from a museum. Why does this, <laughs> fit? Why does this plane have fuel in fuel. it? Yeah. How does it get all the way to Egypt and then back again? It's nonsensical and yeah. So you know these are where it has its downfalls and believability be you know just sort of dissipates into uh, a wisp of smoke. And I I I on that on those there's there's quite a few of those and I'm troubled by it because it just doesn't live up to the previous film and it doesn't quite slot into the rest of the DCEU. Like most of these other DCEU films that don't fit in, this one doesn't either. And and it's really sad because the previous Wonder Woman film was fantastic. There is going to be another one. It's so obvious. But where that fits in could be even more loosely fitting into the DCEU. We know there's another Batman film coming out that's currently shooting. I'm sure there's going to be other DCEU films that supposed to be an extended universe but will not fit in completely and it's just a real shame um warner brothers have made a complete mess i think of their extended universe they cannot seem to get it right they yeah. cannot seem to make like this make up the same sort of connections that marvel seem to be able to do you know marvel planned 10 years in advance david 10 years they plan the entire storylines out how they interweave with each other and i think that shows as well i think that shows it totally shows and <clears throat> You know, it's it's sad because these are beloved characters, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, Joker. All of these characters are beloved in by many and they've they they let them down by not allowing them to interact with each other in the correct way and not acknowledging previous films from before. And yeah, it it's it's a it's a disappointment. Um I know Ranjit would have strong views. I know he hasn't seen it yet. However, this film is actually coming out today. So this is available in the UK to rent from iTunes, Apple, um Apple is iTunes, um from the from the <laughs> iTunes store, um from Apple TV store. I don't know how what it is these days. I've lost touch with technology. <laughs> I've become an no, old man haven't. now I'm 30. Um <laughs> you know, it'll be available on Amazon, um all good streaming um stores where you can purchase films um yeah. it is available in the uk to do that it's obviously in america available on hbo max it was available from hbo max from day one this is also something else that is a concern to me david i can actually let you come in here and actually voice maybe your opinions on this with hbo wanting to put films out across 2021 big cinematic releases out straight to hbo max simultaneously 
what are your thoughts on that? Well, we we did touch upon it in in last week's ep- in the last episode in week forty nine. It's it's troubling, Craig. It's troubling for the industry, and it's I'm not quite sure where us UK um, viewers, our cinematic lovers, fit into that plan. Or, I don't or know don't either. We? we should fit in there at some point. There's not really been too much announced. We were hoping there was going to be a deal struck with Sky to have um, the HBO movies coming to Sky Movies or Now TV and all that sort of thing. But it just doesn't look like that's been struck yet. Correct me if I'm wrong, people. Let me know. Send me an email. My mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com or tweet us, etc. But it is disappointing. It is. Yeah. I mean, I think I. Well, actually, you know what? One last thing, Lily Aspel as the young Diana. There is another flashback scene like the previous Wonder Woman, and it's outstanding. I think that is one of the saviors of this film, is the the, the backstory to, to Diana Prince and how she becomes, you know, this warrior. Um, it's It grounds the character very much so. For what, someone with so much power and ability, she's grounded by the sentiment of her people, and that is saved by that opening scene, really. Yeah. Um, I'm ready for questions, David. Craig, I really, really enjoyed that, and uh, I want to know whether it's worth me watching. I haven't seen it yet, so tell me and our lovely listeners, Wonder Woman 1984, is it worth it? You know, even though I've criticised the hell out of this film, it is still worth a watch because mm. I think there's going to be a lot of people out there that are big superhero fans and they will still, regardless what I say, will go and watch it. And it's not awful. It's not awful at all, but it is disappointing. And yeah. I think if you want to know why it's completely disappointing, give it a watch. And that sounds very counterproductive or counterintuitive, really, doesn't it? To watch a disappointing yeah. film and find out why. But you will undoubtedly, if you are a fan of films like this or the DCEU of any sort, even though you might be disappointed by many of them, you will end up watching the sequel to this after the, the next one. So you're going to need to watch it anyway. Yeah. So I think that's why it's worth it. And it, there might be some tangible... Um, aspects to the film where it links into other films and people will get excited by that but I, I, trust me it's it's weak it's weak in that sense um, enjoyable uh, nostalgic um, fun but but ultimately not the well-rounded kind of film that I would like to see from from Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot so that was Craig's Han Solo review of Wonder Woman 1984 this broadcast or visit worth it the film review podcast for an important announcement if you're enjoying the podcast we would like to remind you that you can now become a patreon supporter for as little as three dollars a month this helps the podcast to continue to grow as well as offering the potential for bonus content and is it worth it merchandise your support helps the podcast stay alive so why not become a patreon supporter today head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash is it worth it podcast Another movie on this week's episode is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and we're reviewing it right now. Um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom 
is about influential blues singer Ma Rainey, as the title may suggest, and her band and all that happens during one recording session in Chicago in 1927. It's directed by George C. Wolfe and written by Ruben Santiago Hudson. Hopefully I said his name right. Thank you very much. Uh, based on the play of the same name by August Wilson. It's produced by Denzel Washington, Todd Black and Danny Wolfe. And the film stars Viola Davis, Chadwick Boseman, uh, with Glyn Turman, Coleman Domingo, and Michael Potts in supporting roles. And uh, before we delve into the actual review, here's a clip for this film. What is you? I don't see your name in lights. Oh, I just play the piece, whatever they want. I don't criticize other people's music. I ain't like you, color. I got talent. Oh, Me no. and this horn, we tight. If my daddy had known I was going to turn out like this, he would have named me Gabriel. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to give me a band and make me some records. I didn't give Mr. Stutterman some of my songs I wrote, and he said he's going to let me record them when I get my band together. I just got to finish the last part of this song. I got style. Oh, everybody got style. Style ain't nothing but keeping the same idea from beginning to end. Everybody got it. Everybody can't play like I do. So that was a clip from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, what do I have to say about this film? Well, firstly, um, I had some big expectations uh, for this film. Those of you who have listened to our first episode on Series 2 of Road to the Oscars will know that it was in the Oscars betting. There has been some Oscars buzz, not only for a Best Picture, but also um, in the acting categories as well. Um, so I'd seen the trailer for this, and from the trailer, I thought that the the film looked really, really interesting and visually very, very impressive. Um, the first thing that struck me about this film is it's so, so accessible for all types of people because the running time is very, very short. Forgive me, I don't have the running time in front of me, but I think it's about an hour and 30, an hour and 40 minutes, yeah, no yeah. longer than that. Um, I think it might even be hundred, an hour and 31 minutes. Um, so it's quite, quite short. But what the film does is it has this great opening scene where Mulraney is performing in this tent and she's performing to a, a completely black audience in the Deep South. And immediately we just get this sense of the character of this woman, the bigness of her, the brashness of her, the, the powerful voice and the importance that blues music had for black people at the time and remains to have for for black people now um and i was just really really struck by the um by the by the film um, but it actually focuses on a 1927 uh, recording set, uh, uh, recording studio in Chicago, um, where they go up north to record for uh, Paramount Records. And the first thing that I would say about the film is that the production values are superb. Like it's it's such a nice film to look at. Um, the hair and makeup and the costumes are fantastic and i just want to say that the costumes are brought to you by four-time oscar nominee and one-time winner Anne roth and she pays huge attention to detail um a little fact that i actually found in the opening sequence like i was talking about Anne actually spoke to all of the hundred plus extras in the um opening tent scene and explained to them their costumes the historical um 
importance of their costume, what the costume meant to each character, like great attention to detail. Right. Uh, and the second thing that I'll say is not only has it got brilliant hair and makeup, brilliant costumes, but it's got a great script and it's got superb acting. Um, and I've got lots of more points that I'd like to get into. Um, but the first thing I'd like to do, I suppose, is bring Craig in, see what he thought, see what his expectations were. Did it live up to your expectations? What did you think? Well, I had really no idea what this film was about in terms of um, cultural historicalness. Um, and I had to go away and do a little bit of research about this film. And it's really quite meta in some sense because it's actually celebrating, I think, um, three different people. Three people, as in Ma Rainey, obviously, yep. who the film is entitled for. Um, but it's also the author of um, the, uh, the, the of the of the story, the play, who, yeah, of the play exactly. Um, who was greatly um, inspired by by uh, Rainey and the era where she found fame in. Mm. And then I think there's also somebody else as well, and that's Chadwick Boseman, who yeah. is uh, a central character in this film, but also just such a presence and such a powerhouse performance. And it's painful to watch because we know what he was somewhat going through and mm. the sheer professionalism that goes comes through. He gives his absolute 100% um, in this film and it's just probably I'd say his finest performance and it's such a shame that it's a posthumous performance in that sense because you know I would I, I would love for him to have seen the praise that he he gets from this movie because it is um, it's devastating to have lost such a, a magnificent actor and a magnificent human being as well because yeah. he was such a wonderful human. So many stories and of him that came that came out after he um, passed away from from him donating part of his salary to to some of the underpaid women within the films that he acted next to, um, to to just him being so kind hearted and loving and calm and and appreciative of the others and 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 just just amazing to to work with. And he plays um, is it Levy. Uh, Levy. Levy, sorry, Levy. Oh my God, I can't read today either. Um, he plays Levy, who is this uh, trumpet player, but he's he's so into what he does and also so scarred by the things that have happened to him in his past that he brings such, he brings so much to this role, Chadwick Boseman, that it's... Yeah you see every layer of him unfold on the screen here, regardless of its runtime and it being so short, regardless of the fact that you're sitting and watching it on your living room television, and regardless of your sound setup, you will hear every nuance of emotion come through. It's probably my favourite performance, I suppose, last year? Would it be classes last year or this year? Um, I think it came out at the end of last year, but it would be 2020, 
it would be for the 2021 Oscars. So you would say a performance of 2020, but for the 2021 Oscars. Yeah. And he's inc- he's incredibly ambitious in this film, um, in in terms of uh, Levy being very ambitious, and he wants to get his arrangement of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and that's the song that um, that is contested in this film as in terms of um, his arrangement or Ma Rainey's original arrangement that's going to be yeah. recorded here in the recording studio for this album. But ultimately what this film is also depicting is the treatment of uh, Ma Rainey and black people within this era. And it, it does such a, a, a just... A, a, a just <laughs> I can't get my words out here. But it does so much to educate people on you know, why and how uh, these things happened. And you do get Ma Rainey being this very brash and deaverish, um, you know, artist, but there's such a, a poignant reason behind it. Would you agree with that? Uh, sorry, I didn't quite catch that last bit. So there's such a poignant reason behind the way that Ma Rainey acts in this film, this brash, this out, out, you know, demanding, deaverish kind of woman um, of an artist, and there's it's so poignant why she does that. Would you not agree with that? Yeah, why, why, why would you say she does that? Sorry, let's just make sure we're singing off the same hymn sheet. <laughs> no, I want to. <laughs> you do, you do understand where I'm coming from, maybe. I, I hope, I, th- I think I do. Do you sure? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure now. You're making me doubt. <laughs> well, no, it's because she needs to assert this dominance because the only reason. That um, that the producers who are obviously white in this film are running around look doing de- appeasing her demands is because they want something from her. Yes, sorry, and you're they, absolutely and spot they on. Want, and they want money and 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 what comes from her voice. And she's, you know, she's going to do everything she can to make that a difficult and get yeah. everything she can to reap those rewards. Because straight away after they've got what they want, she knows they're just going to you know, leave her alone. They're not going to, they're just going to ignore her requests. So she's going to be as demanding as she possibly can. And it's such a great performance from Viola Davis. She is amazing, embodies what I would assume Ma Rainey was. Um, And, and she is just a transformation. It really is. No, you you've explained that so well there, Craig. Like you said, you know the these white producers are are running over, running everywhere, and going hand over fist to do everything they can for Mar Rainey. But it's not because they want to; it's because they want to use her for her music, and they want to introduce that music from the south to the north of America because they know that ultimately it will sell and it will make them money. Um, what I love about this film is that for, for Levy, Chicago is an opportunity, but for Ma, it's a disposition. Mm. Like She really doesn't want to be there. She's got this successful tour in the south that she's more than happy to continue. Um, I thought to touch upon the performances, um, Viola Davis as Ma Rainey is the current favourite to win Best Actress at the Academy Awards, so she is the favourite. Mm. Um, 
on the next episode of Road to the Oscars, we will talk about other people in that category. But she is the favourite at the moment, the front runner to win that award. Chadwick Boseman could obviously be nominated for Best uh, Actor in a leading role for this, and he could be nominated for Best Supporting Actor for his work in The Five Bloods. Um, before I come on to those two, Coleman Domingo, Glyn Terman, and Michael Potts playing Cutler, Toledo, and Slow Drag. I thought that the the band was brilliant. The ensemble cast was great. But the performances from Viola Davis, she transforms. Like you said, we we don't see any historical footage of Ma Rainey. We see some photos at the end. But somehow, even though I don't know Ma Rainey, I know that Viola is that character. Yeah, right. she completely, that's it. She completely embodies it. And as for Chadwick Boseman, I totally agree. Um his character is very, very complex, and again, this is a non-spoiler review, so if you've seen the film, you'll, you'll know why he's a complex character, and ultimately, potentially, uh, a flawed or a fallen character, but his performance is, I'm going to say the word, the S-word, sensational. <laughs> like, the way he... He gives a monologue at one point in this film, and it's got to be three or four minutes long, and it's just an Oscar. It's just how to win an Oscar in three or four minutes. Mm. Watch this monologue. The passion, the heart, you, you're not seeing Chadwick Boseman. You're seeing his character, Levy, giving this heartfelt, horrific speech about his past, his present, and what it means for his future. And it's, it's such a good film. Um, it's such a great film. Um, and if you enjoyed the film, there's also a great, I didn't know if you knew this, Craig, there's a great 30-minute documentary on Netflix called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, A Legacy Brought to Screen. Um, I watched it today. It's only 30 minutes. You get lots of interviews, lots of clips. And Denzel Washington in that says about blues music, he says, it's our history, it's our pain, it's our escape. And I think you have to understand this when they're playing their music, it is like they have this sense of freedom, that they're breaking the shackles of oppression. Mm. And it's... You know what? That goes so much back to, to soul as well. And, yeah. and how like... Um, our main protagonist in Soul is transported to another world quite yeah. literally when he plays the piano, when he plays the blues, when he plays that soul music. And it's so true in the same here with Ma Rainey's as well. It's, it's a character in itself. And yeah. it's just music is beautiful. And this is a, a great story to tell. Yeah. It's a play as well. Um mm. Some films that are sort of adapted from a play end up feeling like a play. And I, yeah. you know what? I didn't get that sense from this. I did get... There, there were little bits of play that came through. Don't mm. get me wrong, but it was no Wonder Wheel, was it? You know, Wonder Wheel was... <laughs> oh, God, Wonder Wheel. <laughs> terrible film by Woody Allen that, that, With Kate felt, Winslet, yeah. that felt so much like a play. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was and, so poor. And it was just 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 ridiculously bad and this didn't have that at all um you know our cinematographer within this film has really outshone himself in terms of like how he's managed to capture these scenes yeah. these long scenes and there you know he breaks it up there are cuts the editor has done well to break this film yeah. up and and cut it up even though there are these cuts you know it it feels like one scene as well and it, it, it's it does something that also Pieces of Woman does that we're going to touch upon later on. And it, yeah. it just sort of brings that cohesiveness in these long 
stretches of dialogue, which yeah. is very play, but breaks them up in this strange cinematic way and the collaboration yeah. of the two come together so well. Um, but yeah, no, I, do you have anything else you'd like to Yeah, expand? no, just to ex- expand on that point, the uh, cinematography was from Tobias A. Schleisler and you're absolutely spot on. It does have that feeling of a play and almost like a one-scene film, but he breaks it up with this brilliant cinematography where he shows Chicago in 1927 and the it's it's set in the summer um, and the heat and the energy that we see from the city is then transported in to the to the recording studio and watching the documentary that's something that they said they wanted to have the the city very very hot very very busy very very um and there's that one scene where ma rainey arrives and there's a bit of a car accident and the police are involved mm. and she manages to get her well she manages with the help of the um the p- film producers to get herself not only out of trouble, but also her car fixed, which shows the power that this woman had. Um, yeah, it also I, shows I, the power the power that she didn't have, and the power that the white people that pulled the yes, strings absolutely, did have as yeah. well. Yeah, because without them, that's a very good point, Craig. Without them, that was just another black person in a car accident, and potentially someone that they could take advantage of. The police could yeah. take advantage of. You know, I also really love the stark contrast as you come from outside in Chicago to the inside of the recording studio to the basement where the band are practicing yeah. and that stark, horrible, dark, dank room with no door that opens out into the outside. But when that door does finally open, it's into this confined space that, you know, shows that, you know, the the trapped nature of these characters down in that basement. And it, it really does send home a message that, you know, and, and relate back to all of the hardship that these characters may have experienced in their lives. And it was a really great way of doing that visually. And, and yeah. yeah, really, really good. Anything else? Uh, no, I mean, I think that was pretty much it. I expect this film to do pretty well at the Oscars. I can see it being nominated in two acting categories an adapted screenplay, definitely nominated for hair and makeup and costume. Um, uh, and editing as well, it could get a nomination. So it could be getting, you know, five, six, seven Oscar nominations, which is a good portfolio. Um, I don't think it will win Best Picture, but I really hope it's nominated. I think it's one of the best films I've seen this year or the last year, two years, 2020, 2021, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say then that you think this film's worth it. <laughs> I think you can ask me the question. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, is it worth it, David? 100% worth it. It is, I don't want to say a masterpiece because I've only seen it once, but it is a truly fabulous film with powerhouse acting, brilliant costumes, brilliant hair and makeup, a great script, wonderful music, uh, lovely cinematography. Um, and it, 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 what I didn't say in the main review is there's real moments of humour as well. And you'll laugh, you'll cry. Mm. It's, it's a roller coaster of a journey. Um, it has an ending that's just powerful and says so much. And the characters are so layered. Um, it deserves to be watched more than once. And I intend to watch it again. I think it's an absolutely fantastic film. You know what? Really well um, summarised there, David. Um, I, I don't think I can add much more to that that represents our thoughts on that film. I think we're on completely the same page with this movie. Moraine's Black Bottom is totally worth the watch. It's on Netflix now. Stream it right now.
so it's now time for our fifth review on this bumper episode of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And we are reviewing The Midnight Sky. A dying man decides to remain behind during the evacuation of a support station as some kind of pollution sets in on a dying Earth. Meanwhile, a space crew returning to Earth from a mission is unable to make contact. It's clear something is wrong. It's directed by George Clooney, starring Felicity Jones, George Clooney, with David uh, Oilowo, Kyle Chandler, uh, Demian Bitcher and Sophie Rundle in supporting roles. Here is a lovely clip for all of you. Come in, Ether. This is Barbo Observatory. Are you receiving this? Is anyone out there? This is Ether. Does any one copy? We're not receiving anything. That puts our last contact with Mission Control out. Three weeks. Why is it so quiet? That's either. It's a spaceship that we hoped would be our future. I have to warn them about the conditions on Earth. I don't know all the details. It started with a mistake. So that was a clip from the Midnight Sky. Um, I w- I held high hopes for this movie that uh, stars George Clooney, but and also directed by George Clooney. Um, it's uh, and a very ambitious sci-fi epic, I think. Um, that. That is based on the book by Lily Brooks Dalton. Um, it's it's got a lot of different films that run through this film. Um, one of which um, you actually mentioned to me earlier, David, and I thought when I thought about it myself, it, 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 Gravity. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's bits of Interstellar in there. There's a bit yeah. of Ad Astra even as well. Yeah. Um, there's tons of different, you know, sort of films that I think are maybe referenced in this film in some ways. There's a bit of Star Trek in there as well. There's a bit of um, uh, Star Wars-y sort of looking nature of the film as well. And mm. there's a lot to it that, you know, really gives you a lot to like about the film visually as well. It is... It's visually very, very good. Um, there were some moments in the film where it didn't suspend my belief quite so much. Um, but nonetheless, I think the CGI was pretty decent. Um, we, we, we start off with George Clooney's character basically staying on uh, in this... I don't know what you what it really is. Is it some sort of some sort of station that they? Yeah, it's like where a, a, there's a big satellite, and I assume it's some sort of science laboratory where station. people do do experiments and look at the sky, listen to the stars. Um, <laughs> you know that that is one thing they do. Um, George Clooney's character is. Uh, He's troubled. troubled, very troubled. He's very unwell. He, he's he's clearly um, dying, um, and he's played very well. I think I think George Clooney directed himself very well in this film. He comes across brilliantly. He he gets the emotion through his performance. He gets this very troubled man is 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 shown, and it's something that we come to expect from George Clooney. And it's it's a it's a really great performance. I think it falls short in 
the nature of the story that it's telling. And there are two stories that run parallel to each other in this film. And yeah. Felicity Jones is a character that is on a craft um, that is returning from a mission to a uh, moon um, that orbits uh, Jupiter, I believe. Yes. And this... This or Saturn, moon, one of the two. Yeah, one of the two. I think it's Jupiter, I think. Um, and it's actually a, a moon that was discovered by George Clooney's character, Augustine Lofthouse. Um, and he believes that this moon can sustain life. He believes it's going to be the place that actually saves the rest of humanity. It's not quite known what's going on on Earth, but it resembles some kind of economic, economic... Um, economic <laughs> eco disaster of some sort um where pollution um and mm. the destruction by humans on this planet has has destroyed and caused some kind of in inhospital ability for humans to live on this planet yeah. essentially um and people were trying to now leave where they're going exactly is completely unknown whether or not yeah. they survive as a race of people is completely unknown, but it is this, I don't know, you know, what is Clooney's character doing on this space station? Is he wanting to stay behind and simply die or is there actually way more to it? And I think this is where I'll bring you in, David. Yeah, so I think you've summarised the film really well there. Um, it's actually set in 2049. Um, the opening sequence says 20, February 2049, three weeks after the event. So we're never actually informed what that event is. But we're introduced to George Clooney's character, who, like Craig said, is very, very unwell. And we see him drinking alcohol on top of his medication and doing daily um, blood transfusions. What I would say about this film is that it is very, very one-paced. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that's a problem. Um, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's a problem that, in the sense that if you like the pace that it's going at, you'll enjoy this film. If you don't like the pace that it's going at, I don't think you'll enjoy this film. And some critics have said in commentaries that I've read that it's too long the pace is too slow for me i was quite satisfied with the pace um because it's both a um a space film so you get the bits like gravity and interstellar but it's also quite grounded and me and craig spoke before the show about proxima um which is a very i think that was the name of it wasn't it not yeah, to proxima definitely yeah um to confirm which is literally a grounded space movie so you get two stories for the price of one and i always enjoy films that do that and these two stories are linked but they're not linked and that's where the film goes um what is the connection between the people in space and the people on the ground can they make connection can the people from space return home can the people from home get to k24 which is this moon um that could sustain life um the one thing that I would say is it doesn't, other than one particular scene that I don't want to go into too much detail um, because it would be a spoiler, but there is a spacewalk. It doesn't have the wow factor. No. That Interstellar has. So Interstellar has some real wow moments. The docking scene is 
one of the best pieces of space cinema ever. You are literally on the edge of your seats. Yeah, the... I mean, you know, you know what, David? I want, I just want to just slightly come in here. It's almost yeah. like Apollo thirteen as well, where you have a docking scene in there as well. And, yeah, and this film tries to be that as well, but it yeah. just doesn't stick long enough to these building tension moments it gets to a point where it, he, George Clooney's building tension mm. but just lets it slip out of his grasp and you yeah. lose that like that connection with that moment and he yeah. does that quite a lot of times and he just doesn't suspend your belief either in some of those moments um you know in the particular part of the film where he, it becomes slightly more effective in 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 like this this cold desolate Arctic almost scene, I suppose it is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, he becomes, you know, I think visually it's very good, but there's a moment in the film where he would almost certainly have died. Um, and yeah. I don't know yeah. why he didn't. And mm. it, it just doesn't make much sense. And that, that tension is lost because of that. Yeah. I know the exact scene you're referring to and put it this way, he gets very wet and cold. Yes. I think that's the, yeah. 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 You know, and you would think, well, you wouldn't think you would, no. science would suggest Hyperthermia that he would, he would perish. Yeah. So th that, that is, that is one of the problems. It's a bit one paced. It doesn't, have those wow moments that say an interstellar does or gravity um it, it, i'm not saying it has no wow moments but they're not as wow as some of these other films no. um and because there's an element of unbelievability you do get slightly um lost what i would say though craig is it does have a lovely soundtrack i don't know if you if you agree with that you know what it, it does have a good soundtrack but it almost doesn't warrant it does warrant discussion but it just doesn't allow the film to do any better because of it you know it you know you have flashbacks in this film as well mm. and they will almost serve zero emotional impact in this film until until the very end of the film but i feel yeah. like though the the nature of the way that that twist is presented to us is so understated and so lackluster that that build up to it is anticlimactic and you know a down complete down a complete downer on this investment that I've spent all this time watching. Mm. And it is a bit, bit of, a, of an investment. You know, it's not an hour and a half like my Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's, it's a lot longer than that. And, and <laughs> yeah. I deserve to have a conclusion mm. to this film that is actually rewarding. And I didn't feel rewarded. I saw the twist come quite a mile away, to be honest with you. Yeah. If okay. I had to guess. And although it, Although it came in that anticlimactic way, it did leave with the credits uh, rolling over the top of whatever was happening. At yeah, the end it was there. very strange. The ending wasn't it? It, it was, just but it, it did stop in a way that, like, it it carried on, like, because the credits were rolling over the top of it. You know, it's not the end completely. Yeah, absolutely spot. And on. in that sense, that kind of saved it slightly, but it still. Oh, it just didn't work for me. You know, there's one scene in particular that I must praise as well. And I think that's a dream sequence on Jupiter or Jupiter's moon or Saturn's yeah. moon 
it's it's beautiful i think it's it is stunning and it's brilliantly well described at the end as well and yeah i i i think it's i don't know if i have anything else to say about it really yeah, um, one thing I would say is one of our regular listeners, Jack, got in contact with the show and said that a good friend of his, George Engerbacken, um, who is actually listed on IMDb, did some of the visual effects for K24, um, which I thought were really, really good, and I thought he did a great job there. So if you're listening, George, uh, a big well done to you. Um, so K24 is the part of the dream sequence then, I guess? Yes, it would be, yeah. Well, yeah, um, well done, well done, because, that, yeah, that was... That was really good. I did actually really, really enjoy that. Yeah. There's some CGI within the film that I didn't quite enjoy, didn't quite suspend my belief, but that bit really did. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I just think Craig's hit the nail on the head. You know, I, I, the ending is, is very, very clever. Now, two things about the ending. One, I didn't see the ending coming. So for me, the payoff was worth it. Um, I, was, I, was, I was thinking, where's this film going? It is quite slow, but I don't mind a slow film. But for me, the ending was worth it. And I loved how the, the, the action or the, the scene continued to unfold and the credits just rolled over the top of it because Craig very eloquently put it that it shows that this story is just beginning and it hasn't finished. Like I said, I thought the soundtrack was great. The soundtrack was from Alexandra uh, Desplat, who also did the King's Speech and Argo, which have great soundtracks. Um, and... The last thing I'll say is, what did you think of the spacewalk with Sweet Caroline playing? I I thought that was bizarre. <laughs> it was a little bit bizarre, wasn't it? You know, everybody's singing along. But you know what? That's just the oldest trick in the cinematic book, isn't it? It's 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 do something that's going to bring some joy and everybody's going to like, mm. this is great, let's clap along. And then you know something devastating might or might not happen next. Yeah, no, It's the oldest trick in the on. book, really. And then, but you, that, therefore, it actually... It warned me that something might be happening yeah. next and therefore the suspense again was lost. So, I, yeah, didn't quite like that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, I was actually, whenever Sweet Caroline comes on, I have to sing along. It's, it's, it's like some sort of habit I have. So I was singing along. But like you said, it, it gave away the fact that everything was too, too good to be true. And when something is too good to be true, it quite often is. So we knew that something bad was about to happen. And when that bad thing does or does not happen, no spoilers. There is a little bit of a wow moment there on that spacewalk. I don't want to say what it is, but th there is one moment that made me think, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty powerful. Um, but overall, it's a little bit one-paced and it does lack that wow factor. Yeah. Um, are you ready to ask me the question? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested, actually, to know whether you're going to say this one is worth it or not. So, Craig, I will ask you, um, directed and starring... Uh, George Clooney, The Midnight Sky, is it worth it? <clears throat> the Midnight Sky, I haven't decided yet. In this moment, I'm going to decide. And my decision is that this film is worth it for Ooh. a couple of reasons. I think if you are a George Clooney fan, you will enjoy his acting in this film. Yeah you will enjoy some of the sci-fi nature of this film if you are a science fiction um, lover in terms of cinema. Um, it's not up there as one of the best. It's probably down quite low in my list of sci-fi films that I enjoy. 
There are some brilliant visual effects in here. There are some not so good visual effects in here, but for the most part, it's visually quite good. It's it's one of those run of the mill films. It for me, it's worth it because it's available on Netflix. Um, if this was a film that was out in the cinema, I might be saying it isn't worth it. To be honest with you, but because I didn't get the opportunity to see it in the cinema on the big screen and be engulfed by it all, it, yeah. it's difficult to say. Um, but because I watched it at home on that smaller screen, you know, it probably deserved to be on a bigger screen. Mm. But it's um, for me, it's it's worth it ever so slightly. It's crossed <laughs> it's, it's crossed the threshold slightly for me. Yeah. What about you? Is it worth it? Uh, yeah, for me, the Midnight Sky is worth it. Um, like I said, it, it is very one paced, and if you don't like the pace early on, don't expect it to pick up because it does stay at that one pace but i think there's um it, it almost d- deserves a rewatch and i am actually going to rewatch this and i'm getting in a habit now of trying to watch films more than once before my reviews and even watching them again after the review because george clooney's character is is quite complex and like craig says george clooney does give a very very good performance visually it's good i really like the soundtrack i think it's well shot um it got pretty poor rotten tomato scores from the audience only 26 percent. so i'm in a minority here but for me the midnight sky is worth it so our final film for review on this week's episode is pieces of a woman um, director and writer duo Cornel Mondrizo and Katia Weber, uh, who are close collaborators and actual partners, tell a story of a Boston couple who are devastated by the death of their newborn baby during a home home birth. Starring Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf with Molly Parker and Ellen Burstyn in the supporting roles. This review will discuss some very deeply and upsetting issues and will be extremely heavy. So as a warning, this discussion may feature some very upsetting topics. Here's a clip for Pieces of a Woman. She has to pay for her incompetence. Is this about money? No. Is it, is it about what, what people think? It's about you. It's about you having to face this. I am facing this. I am facing it! I am facing this! Well, I don't think you are. We need... We need some justice here. No, you need. That is what you want. That is what you need. That is... That is your way. That is not my way. That is what you need! Martha, if you had done it my way, you'd be holding your baby in your arms right now. You know what, you, you're ashamed. You're so ashamed of me. You're ashamed because I failed. Oh, what a disgrace. Oh, what a disgrace. I failed. So that was a clip from Pieces of a Woman. As Craig said, this is going to be a very, very tough review because we're reviewing some very sensitive subject matter. Um, and let's not beat around the bush. The opening 30 minutes of this film, Craig, is quite possibly some of the most powerful cinema that I have ever seen. 
Um, the film actually starts completely silent, which put me on edge immediately. Um, it then shows Shia LaBeouf working in this very sort of manual labour job. We know his wife's pregnant. And to me, that shows that Shia LaBeouf's character cares. He's going out, he's getting his hands dirty, he's working hard to support his his newborn child. And then we have this 20-odd minute birth scene, which is, I have never been present at a birth, but it, it seems to me incredibly ac accurate in terms of the pain and the anguish that this woman is going through, both the physical pain of childbirth, but the mental pain as well. I mean, as a man, it's it's difficult for me to talk about this because obviously I have no experience. But when a woman is giving birth, it is physically and mentally very, very tough. And we see this birth unfolding in, in the most beautiful way in many respects. Very, very intimate, interesting use of camera angles and some really beautiful shots. Um... And it's very, very personal. Like, we are literally there with this couple, experiencing this new life coming into the world. Um, very, very interesting cinematography and a beautiful soundtrack, which there's moments of silence, but then there's other moments where this soundtrack comes in. Um, I think, And then this, this, this isn't... A, do you want to come in there? Yeah, Sorry. I think because I, I don't want you to sort of get to the point where things change and then um move on because i really want to discuss this opening okay. as well with you because sorry <laughs> it's it's you know it's called pieces of a woman and it does have shia LaBeouf star in this film he plays a character called sean he's the partner of vanessa kirby so who plays martha so that's sean and martha there together and they are having their first baby as david said um and as you say david it, it it opens on Sean who is working um, and he's working hard and he's, he's doing the things that he needs to do to make, to make money. And I, you said that you, it's, you know, he cares. Um, he's doing this work because he cares, but I, I just want to question where you, how you, where you got that from? Like what, what from that opening part is that him going to work is, is that it's because he cares. It's, it's, it's just, for me personally, this is not something I've read, this is not something I've heard anywhere else. I think the director could have gone straight into the birthing scene, but I think he's showing um, Shia LaBeouf's character, who's, who's a construction worker building this bridge, mm. because it's to show that he's, in my opinion, this might be total nonsense, that he's willing to go out there and get his hands dirty. And as we learn more about his character, I think it makes sense that he's willing to do a job that perhaps necessarily necessarily he doesn't want to do but a job that he's willing to do in order to bring home the bacon so to speak so i to think pro the, to provide for for the yeah. family but you know what it, it you say but we also are presented with with martha who clearly has a, a very different job yes um it looks like she actually could be in a high-powered job as well um yeah. and you know, it might be that he doesn't actually necessarily have to go and do this job. It's just that he, he, he has, that's what he can do. That's all he can do. You know, yeah. that's, that's the other side of the coin, I think.
but but also don't forget, and we'll get back to the birthing scene again shortly, as the film progresses, Martha's mother is very, very keen to pay for things and to they're obviously not short of a bob or two. And Shirley Booth's character comes in and says, I, I, can, I can support my family, I can pay for this. Yeah. So I think that was important that they showed that scene at the start of the film. Okay, that's, okay. And then moving on to this, the, the most unbelievable piece of cinema like I've ever seen is this, as you say, 20 minute birthing scene where, you know, a child is being brought into the world and it comes at a pace that is just unbelievable. It's so real as, as far as I can see as again, somebody who hasn't experienced this for real, it's, the most realist thing I've seen on screen to uh, somebody giving birth um, I've ever seen before. It, it, you know, you get that usual atypical birthing scene in TV and 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 um, in movies where it is somebody in a hospital ward of some sort, or even sometimes at home, and it's never such a roller coaster of a ride as it is in this movie, and yeah. it really shows a range of emotions a range of just so many so it's just it's just unbelievable like the joy when this child finally arrives um is palpable it's it's so unbelievably real and i think shia LaBeouf and and vanessa kirby work so well in this scene and like you say it is almost this brilliant camera angles and this this the, the cinematography is just exquisite and they break it up because like i was saying in one of the earlier reviews uh like my rainy's black bottom how they break it up even though it's almost like one scene there are definite cuts in the film in in this long scene that feels like it's one take but it's not one take at all and i went back and i looked over it actually two or three times i looked over the scene and went backwards and forwards to see if i could find the cuts and i could see them but it's done so eloquently almost that it's pieced together that it's mm. fluid it's it moves forwards and it's it's so exquisite is all i can say really on 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 the cinematography there in that scene it is just brilliant and, and then it takes a turn for the worse and this is where we're sort of now getting into unearthing some traumatic parts about this film mm. and it it leaves zero to the imagination it shows you everything and all of a sudden there's this moment that changes everything the midwife who has come who is actually not the the midwife that they wanted because the baby as babies do come when and whenever they want sort of thing and a, a replacement midwife comes in and she looks in the mirror after the baby is born and everything changes. The baby is going blue um, and all hell kicks loose and you're kicked and thrusted into a pace of a film that is just unbelievable. Like you are holding your breath. You are almost crying with mm. what's going on. You, it's, it's 30 minutes into the film now and you've made somebody feel absolute pain once you know and and 20 seconds before absolute joy 
and those two emotions come almost instantaneous from each other and it's um just just incredible cinema on that front i don't know how you felt on that yeah i mean this birthing scene was genuinely one of the most joyous but then the most traumatic things i've ever seen and i and i do mean this ever ever seen unfold on a on a cinema screen i this deeply troubled me um i'm not going to lie about that this really upset me i actually had to pause the film and to take a little bit of time to compose my thoughts before coming back to it because it, it really shook me up it what i would say if you're still listening to this review this is a heavy heavy watch this is a difficult difficult watch and we're only 30 minutes in by the way um and then after this tragedy we then get pieces of a woman coming up on the screen so it's 30 minutes in before we actually see the title of a film and i was i was just knocked out craig i was you could probably tell from the way i'm talking i was speechless i was horrified i was traumatized and I felt so bad for these characters and I was so invested in these characters and the performances are Oscar worthy from Vanessa Kirby and others, I think, in this film. But Vanessa Kirby, for me, is already stamping her authority in the Oscars race within that first 25, 30 minutes. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, you mentioned, though, the other standout performances and there's, I think there's three in this film. OK. I think Vanessa Kirby is solid absolutely up there as being holding this film on her shoulders yeah Shia the Booth I think is is amazing in this film but it comes with some controversy I think um and I think um Martha's mother who's Elizabeth who's played by Ellen um Burstyn I think has the scene in this film other than the birth scene I think she is amazing absolutely incredible in, in, in a scene which I will delve into uh, next. Well, after I go back to talking about Shia LaBeouf and, and why I think it's controversial, I think because during this film there is something that you just can't ignore and that's this character's complete flawed nature. And we are all flawed, but I feel like he he's very destructive He's abusive. He is actually not a very nice or good person. And he does stuff in this film that resonates with his own, with Shia LaBeouf's own background and allegations against him, which made me feel very uncomfortable when watching it. Now, it's uncomfortable to watch anyway but when you have background information about somebody who has been accused of something else it really puts a very nasty taste in your mouth and it really doesn't go very well with what you're seeing unfold on screen and it's a a a very strange scene that unfolds and i think i will talk about it a bit more in depth and we did obviously put a message out earlier about how these things are a bit um traumatic but Basically, Shia LaBeouf's character tries to engage in some kind of sexual activity with his partner, Martha, after the loss of their child. And it's almost forceful. She's not Mm. saying no, 
but it comes in in a way that he's frustrated and very forceful in nature and aggressive and ultimately ends with him giving up and just walking off in uh, an absolute temple almost mm. and very unsettling to watch in on on the screen but also very unsettling to watch when you obviously know that background information as well mm. so very uh, very difficult to summarize as well i think but uh, did you want to talk about that as well i just think it's really really interesting that you brought this up because as this film goes into awards season, this is one of the things that is actually going to make this film struggle in something like the best picture um, and maybe not so much the acting categories, but the best picture ca categories. These allegations that Shia LaBeouf faces that I've, that I've heard about, when you then see fundamentally domestic violence unfolding on the screen it makes it very, very uncomfortable and it sort of tars the movie. And this is, I'm pleased you've brought this up. This is something that I've seen raised by other critics. I've seen it on film Twitter. And there's not only that one particular scene where you're talking about, and this is almost going to be a spoiler review. There's another scene as well where there's, what would you describe it as, Craig, like an exercise ball? Yeah, like a large, um, almost like yoga ball, maybe something yeah, that you which stretch over. I don't know. You stretch large. on and lie on. And as his wife, who has just lost their firstborn child, is smoking a cigarette, he hurls this ball directly into her face. And obviously, there's a cigarette there which could burn her. And it's just very, very uncomfortable to watch. And like Craig says, it's it's hard enough watching this anyway without knowing that the actor himself is facing allegations of similar things, um, of the details of which I haven't researched because I, I don't really want to. Um, but for, the, for the purpose of this review as well, the way that Martha handles that situation as well and, and almost, even though she's going through a, a similar destructive nature in her own sort of personal life from what's happened and the same as her partner is also going down a destructive path, she somehow manages to disperse, you know, and stop something from, from happening again, future with maybe with that ball by burning it and mm. popping it. And yeah. even though it's something that like that is hers, she stops any future thing happen from, that. and it's, it's a way of her sort of the way that she handles this situation. And ultimately this is what this film is about. It's about the way that Vanessa Kirby's character handles the isolation almost and the grief of her loss, her loss. Yeah. And it's the way that she needs to uh, ha handle it, not the way that anybody else tells her to. And this moves us on to the most important um, showdown between mother and daughter. So yep. um, Ellen Burstyn's uh, show-stopping scene within this film where, you know, you think she's a very interfering mother. And she is, to some extent. She's interfering with um, how um, uh, Martha should grieve for this loss. And her way is to um, sue or um, take to court the midwife um yeah and you know 
Martha's not so sure about this. There is hesitant in her. And the way that um, Elizabeth then has this, 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 this almost soliloquy of, uh, you know, monologue unfold about her past and how she needs to, you know, carry, how she lifted her head up and um, yeah. handle situations because she had to. It's a very interesting, beautifully told story inside of another story. And yeah, it, it was show-stopping. It really, really was. But it allowed us to sort of see another side because maybe you're thinking this is how Martha, sh- how she should be reacting, perhaps. And actually you realise this is a moment where Martha might actually wake up and see that nobody else should be telling her how to be doing things. She has to work this out almost on her own. It's her grief, nobody else's. And this is pieces of a woman. This is what this film is about. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't shy away from looking at the uncomfortable moments. It doesn't shy away from, you know, the interfering busybodies that, you meet unfortunately in the supermarket that know what's happened to you and will always, you know, interfere in the situation. And yeah. what the hell do you do in that situation? Everybody knows somebody who would come up to you and do that. It's happened to people. It happens yeah. to all of us. You know, we've all got that family member that might be incredibly interfering as well. And, mm. you know, it, it it doesn't shy away from really delving into those characters and and allowing them to to show their flaws and their emotional backstories and it did really well with that i think yeah um yeah uh, i don't know where else to go with it because it is a, such a sensitive raw mm. cinematic piece of cinema um, and yeah. and it's it makes me feel sad just talking about it really one thing i did want to ask you is a lot of so critics and i'm doing the uh the thing with my my fingers the bunny is have said that the sort of the first 30 minutes it's very difficult for the rest of the film to live up to that i disagree i think the rest of the film although it the pace slows right right down and it becomes almost darker than the first 30 minutes which you wouldn't believe is possible Mm. How did you find the rest of the film compared to that first, say, 30 minutes? It's obviously very, very different, but I think yeah. it's supposed to be. There's supposed to be this almost separation in uh, in story almost because it, it has to. There's no... You have to have that stark contrast and it does so in, in, in the best way it possibly can. Um, it doesn't change anything else other than it gives us this slower pace to get that insight into actually does it give us a slower pace it doesn't give us a slower pace but i think it gives us a more the the first 30 minutes is just more intimate almost yeah i, I see what you're saying yeah it because it's almost like unfolding at real time yeah whereas the rest of the film it does have those jump cuts those those jump cuts to time different times of day and different places and stuff it's not as one shotty but that's fine because you that's how a story sometimes has to unfold um i do feel that there are similarities here to another film that i adore and that's tully 
Um, yeah. I think this does broach certain things about birth and motherhood in some ways that this that that, that Tully didn't perhaps but mm. only slightly but I think both films are exquisite and both films really are changing the way that we see women's um uh, I suppose uh, the the nature of women and the way that they handle situations like on screen it's no it's no longer given from the point of view of a man it's it's giving yes. airtime and giving space for for women to actually tell their stories and show it in the realistic realistic nature that it needs to be shown and i i know how difficult this is coming from a man having to say this i would love to have uh, the point of view of 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 a woman telling us what, how they felt about watching this film because for me it feels it feels wrong me saying how real it looks and how because yeah, I, know I don't saying. know because I don't know I've not I, I've not experienced and I, I'm sure there's lots of women out there who haven't experienced this either but they might be able to have a much closer connection to what they're seeing than I could ever possibly have. But it yeah. doesn't stop me from feeling raw and emotional after watching it and feeling educated almost. And just, yeah, <laughs> it, you can hear it in, my, in my voice, perhaps that this is a very difficult film to review. Yeah. And yeah, I am. Yeah. Go on. Up to you now. I, no, I just wanted to um, briefly just go back and touch upon the performances. Like you said, Ellen Burns, uh, Burstein, um, there is Oscar talk for her. And that, that scene that you're referring to is, if anyone watches this film or has seen this film, they'll know exactly what it is because it's just jaw-droppingly brilliant acting. But I also wanted to touch upon Molly Parker, who plays Eva, who is the midwife. Yeah. Um, we get like many good films, we get multiple stories and multiple character studies. And her character is put in a very, very difficult position, as any midwife would be when a baby dies. Was it her fault? And the que the film poses lots and lots of questions. And there's particular scenes, again, I don't want to give too much away, but her facial expressions are overwhelmingly powerful. She doesn't have much to say, but yep. she says it all with her facial expressions yep. and her character goes on a on a on a on a journey and the last thing i'll say from my perspective again without without trying to spoil it is the the conclusion to this film and this is why i will be rewatching it i may even rewatch it tonight there's a number of films from this episode that i think deserve a rewatch and this is one of them like craig said he's already watched that that, that opening sequence several times it has this beautiful visual metaphorical ending that I want our audience to experience for themselves but for me it was so powerful everything it represented everything every question that it answered I thought the ending of this film was jaw-dropping and brilliant yeah I completely agree with you completely agree with you should we ask some questions then um yeah I think that pretty much 
um, sums it up. Craig, pieces of a woman. I, I think I know what you're going to say, but is it worth it? Yeah, this film is absolutely worth watching. I would have loved to have seen this film on the big screen. You couldn't. You. It, it's great to see on the smaller screen as well, but. I feel like I would have been engulfed emotionally even more so. So perhaps actually I wouldn't want to see it on the big screen because mm. damn, I'm going to be, you know, going to need some tissues here because my God, it's a turbulent, turbulent, turbulent film. It's so, so such an emotional roller coaster. Um, but if you're, if, if you are in any way intrigued by this film, we would totally love to hear what your thoughts are on it. Mm. And I, I hope you get in touch and let us know what your thoughts are. Um, David, Pieces of a Woman, is it worth it? Absolutely 100% worth it. But this isn't sort of, this is not soul. You know, this isn't a happy film. Go in prepared and I, and I mean be prepared because that opening 30 minutes is one of the most devastating things I've ever seen unfold on a cinema screen I think Vanessa Kirby is rightly being talked about in the best actress category I think Ellen Burstein is rightly being talked about in the best supporting actress category um, it's a film that I think deserves to be watched um, it's it took me on, like I said, I had to pause this film and take 10 minutes to compose myself. It knocked me out that much. It's an emotional roller coaster and it it, it tackles issues that need to be talked about um, and there needs to be more care for women who have lost children and I think it demands a watch. So for me, 100% worth it. Yeah. So it's, like, it's really hard now. How do we move on to finish this show off? But um, we do have some further correspondence from people that I think it would be really good to read out, not on um, uh, this movie, but on other movies as well um, that we've reviewed on today. And these are messages that have come through that are um, perhaps talking about more than one film that we've um, reviewed today. And we've got one from the Podcast Nation uh, that, who says, I was able to check out World, uh, World War, <laughs> Wonder Woman 84, thanks to HBO and I was disappointed. It was watchable, but ultimately a decline from the first. I won't be expecting much from the third. Uh, we have a message from Joe Olive. The Midnight Sky and Soul were really great. Uh, Wonder Woman 84 was a disaster in comparison to the first movie in the Wonder Woman franchise and major continuity errors in regards to the whole DCEU. Um, so that's that. Uh, we have one from Karen who says the prom was a great treat. The music was terrific and James Corden deserves an Emmy nom. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if you didn't tear up for him, you're subhuman Meryl was a little too removed from reality and Nicole Kidman looked fabulous but didn't have too much to do the midnight sky turned out to be on the same vein as gravity it held my attention especially now is thought provoking um, and I think there are others as well. Um, John Spicker has actually uh, also written in saying, finally got round to watching Shawshank Redemption on your recommendation. I know, how has it taken so long? Absolutely brilliant. Can see why it's one of the greats. Keep up the good work on the show. Um, so thank you all of you for your correspondence. Um, it's really great to have all of your messages. Um, Absolutely. So 
get in touch with us. Facebook, um, Is It Worth It podcast. You can send us each either uh, instant messages over Messenger or you can um, send it through the actual podcast's um, Facebook Messenger page as well. Or you can send us a tweet. Or ultimately, if you have email, which who doesn't, you can send us an email at uh, mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. So I guess it leads me in to say thank you for listening to week 50 of Is It Worth It? 2020 was a turbulent year and 2021 we hope will be better, um, although we're not off to the best of starts. No, we're really not, are we? But if we can help brighten your day just a little, then our work here is done. Absolutely. We've had lots of correspondence for this week's show and we love it. Keep getting in touch with the show. Uh, You, the listener, make it worth it. You really do. I love and Craig loves getting your correspondence. Craig, how can they do that? Well, as I already noted at the previous end sort of part of the show, I guess. uh, (laughs) Sorry about that. You can email the show at mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. And as I already said about social media, you can follow us there, isn't it, David? But do you want to say it one more time for the end of the show? Yeah, follow us on social media at filmisworthit on Twitter and search for Is It Worth It Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're listening online through the website, you can also subscribe to the podcast using Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and all good podcasting apps. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, why not share it with a friend? Tell them to listen, spread the word. And if you can, please do leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It gets us up in the charts and it's something that we really, really are passionate about doing. Anyway, all that is left for me to say is he's been David Long. He's been Craig Fields. And this was Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. (laughs) 